Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. In this episode, we're discussing the concept of predictable success. My guest, Rory Prendergast, literally wrote the book about it. Rory is the author of The Game Changer Formula and a Qualified Coach. He has built and sold two multi-million dollar businesses and skippered a boat across the Atlantic with no previous sailing experience. He now helps business owners achieve ambitious goals at a high speed. We discuss the importance of vision and how to create yours, how to overcome procrastination, how to shift your mindset to experience more success in your life, and more golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for being here, Rory. I appreciate you taking the time. It's a real pleasure, Mark, to be here. I'm really uh, looking forward to this and excited. I'd love to jump right in with the, for a big idea that we were discussing on our last conver- during our last conversation is this concept you have of predictable success. Could you, what is that? Yeah, so I believe, Mark, that um, you know from the stuff that I've learned over my life, and that's through you know exiting um, a couple of businesses, um, partly, but mainly through and a big adventure I had in my life, which was sailing across the Atlantic Ocean without really having much of an idea how to sail at the time. Um, I figured out from that, that um, there appeared to be uh, a formula for predictable success. And it took me a lot of years to put that together. I needed the help of a coach as well, just to kind of, to, to get it, you know, put into a proper formula. But I believe that uh, we can all have predictable success. So if we kind of know where we're going um, and we want to get there, we can make that happen. And I think there are just a number of elements that need to happen. And so my formula for predictable success is predictable success equals mindset plus energy plus accountability to the power of vision. And I think if we can get all those elements in place, um, we can achieve predictable success. I also believe we can all, all of us, get those elements in place. Well, from your book, it seemed like finding a vision was either the first thing you do or one of the first things you do. And if someone's stuck, and I know I'm, I'm there, I'm not as clear as I thought I was, and I didn't realize until I read the book, how can you build and find a vision? Yeah, so, so you're right is that it's, it's one of the first things that needs to be done, because if you'll see from that formula in the book that everything in that is to the power of vision. So vision has a huge impact on everything. And I believe you cannot really get anywhere in life unless you've got some kind of vision. And we all have some sort of vision. I think if you really want predictable success, you need something that's really crystal clear for you and that you buy into and you really feel the love for it. Um, and so that is the hardest thing out of all the things in the book um, to actually get right. Uh, but I think it starts with um, where you look at where you spend your time, um, the friends you hang around with, your family, you know, the stuff that, that you feel compelled to and that kind of thing. Um, and I believe there's a bit of soul searching involved in this. And this is not something you do in one afternoon. This is something that, you know, I, I recommend to people that you get a pad and you get your pen and, or your whiteboard or whatever it is and you scribble stuff out. And then you come back and look at it a week later and you scribble more stuff out and that kind of thing. And it's, you know, that's, that's not it. That's going to be wrong. And, you know, you listen to how you speak and that kind of thing. Um, and I think as well, if you go back to, you know, if you look back over your life and back over your childhood, what were the really big things and the important things that happened in your life? There's all little stories around those things that can indicate what your, what your vision should be. Um, and, and for me, you know, my vision, I've kind of whittled it down to, to just a, a couple of words now. Um, but there's way more to it than that. I could expand on that. I could talk to you for three hours about my vision. But for me, it's like make bigger lives. And that means I want to make bigger lives for myself, 
for my son, for my wife, but also in the world. You know, so I, I, I look to meet other people who they might not articulate it like this, but I can see that they want to make bigger lives and I look to help those people. It sounds like it's more than just goal setting when you start talking about your environment, the people you hang out with, your family, your childhood, and usually vision people think of as, a, you know, let's put a goal on a plaque on, and nail it to a wall. But it sounds like this is more than that. Yeah, I th- it's a lot more than that. And, and for me, it's kind of, it's your, it's, it's your life's work, right? And I believe that your goals then should come from that. So if you look at this as your life's work and you say, okay, well, in order to achieve that, then what are my goals that I need to achieve on the way? So I see the goals as smaller things and the vision is really, you know, that, that big thing that's going to get you out of bed every morning, you know, even on the, even on the, the, the worst days. And your why, I mean, we all call it different things. I call it a power vision. Some people call it your big why. Um, you know, it, it could be your mission. It doesn't matter, but it's just that thing that's going to drive you for the rest of your life. And, you know, for sure it can change a little bit, you know, but generally it's pretty much around the same theme for most people. And within the vision, you, another thing you had mentioned is only people only use a small part of what we could be. It sounds yeah. like that's a problem that the predictable success formula would solve. Yeah, Mark, I, I think that's um, I think it's a problem that we don't realize. And it, it, was, it was years before I realized it. Um, but I see that in, in my coaching every day. I believe that, you know, this is a way I explain it to people. I believe that, you know, my mind, I'll use my mind because it's the one I know best, right? <laughs> my mind is made up of, of a pile of stories, right? I've just got these pile of stories in my head. And every time a situation comes along, I take my stories out and I put them down in front of me and I say, okay, which of my stories fits this best, right? What do you that mean fits it, this? So, so, so if a scenario comes along, so a decision that needs to be made, right? Um, about, let's say, for example, a change of career, right? And, um, and I've got these stories that I've created in my head. I'll explain in a minute where I created them from. If I want to make easy de- decision, excuse me, decisions in my life, I want to rely on these stories. Because I rely on a story, it's very simple for me then to take the steps that, that that story always brings, right? So that makes me efficient in, in life. And it means I don't have to you know, dig into the detail of every single decision that comes up. And that's great. But sometimes those stories hold us back. And in the people I've coached, and I've coached some really interesting people in very high-powered jobs, I find that we all have these stories. They all have these stories. Some of these stories allow them to excel, but some of them hold them back. And I think that we are all held back by a certain number of stories in our lives. If we can identify what those stories are and replace them with better stories, then we can achieve exponentially more than we're achieving uh, today. How do you replace them with better stories? Yeah, so first of all, first thing is to identify them, right? And those stories generally come up in in terms of uh, things that people might say, like, I'm not the kind of person that, or um, uh, I can't do that, or um, that's not the way I work, and stuff like that. They're stories that we tell each other. And so what I work with people, and I've worked with myself, first of all, is to figure out, okay, what's the opposite to that, right? So for me, uh, like uh, I would have had a story around, uh, around self-confidence, right? And so there was a lot of situations that I went into that I just didn't feel confident in. And once I kind of identified that as a story, I just created a new story for myself that was, you know, basically, you know, Rory, you're a really confident person, right? And I have a little storybook that I read in the mornings, and I read that every day. Over a period of even just a couple of weeks, my mindset chart starts to change around that and I start to feel more confident. And, and so, so just this week, I've had that with a, with a guy who's a, in a new position as a salesperson. And he said to me, I'm not a salesperson. 
And I said, okay, well, actually, let's fix that. And he's already like straight away being able to change from telling himself he's not a salesperson to telling himself he is a salesperson and seeing the impact that that can have in his conversations. Well, in the book, you went on to describe the subconscious mind. Yeah. And how you can change it, how you can use the conscious mind to change the subconscious mind. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, I can. And so, so the stories are just another analogy like that. So, so that we, we have, I mean, to really simplify things, because if there's any psychologist listening, they'll say this is complete crap. But right, I'm really simplifying stuff here. We have two minds, right? We've got our subconscious mind and we've got our conscious mind. Our conscious mind is the one that we use every day to like order a coffee and all that kind of stuff. And, and we think that our conscious mind, the mind that we think with, runs our day and runs our life. In fact, that's not the case because our subconscious mind is much more efficient, much faster and much stronger. And it's the one that runs our mind. It's the one that holds all the stories for us. And we don't see that. We, we, we believe that, you know, that it's, it's the conscious mind that's doing everything. And what I try and get people to do is to identify the stories that are in that subconscious mind, go back in there with that little storybook I was saying that I mentioned a while ago, change those stories, and that actually changes who we are as a person. And so if you were looking at, if you were somebody who says, well, I've got a really sweet tooth and I like to eat a lot of cake, right? Mm-hmm. And you're trying, to, you're trying to stop that. So w- the way we most of us try and stop that is we, we, we go to willpower and we say, okay, I am not going to eat cake today, right? And that's fine. Today, you don't eat cake. Tomorrow, when you're tired or stressed, you eat cake, right? Because the willpower isn't really strong enough to do that. But I believe that if we operate at the subconscious level, we actually change who we are. We don't have to use our willpower anymore. And we just become the person who doesn't have a sweet tooth. Is it important to write, actually write those stories out and then read them and reread them? So far, that's the only way I've figured out how to do it, right? I'm not saying there isn't other ways out there to, to do that. But I find that um, when, if I write that out and I read that over a course of, depending on the thing itself, but usually over the course of about two weeks, I start to see those subtle changes. And it might th- take three or four weeks to, for that them to really impact. So Mark, there is probably other ways of doing this. Um, I have just found that this is the way that works for me and works with, for most of the people that, I, that, I, uh, that are my clients. And, um, and it, it, kinda, it makes sense to me, but I'm totally open to, I'd love actually to find out if there's an easier way than that. You know? <laughs> Well, the big part is getting started. Like I'm reading the book right now. I did some exercises and I caught myself saying, okay, I'll, I'll do this tomorrow. Yeah. And I know the topic that you like to talk about is procrastination. Mm. Talk like, what is that to you? And how can you solve that problem of, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. Yeah. And so we all have this, you know, I, 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 I don't think I've ever met anybody who doesn't suffer from procrastination in some form or other. Um, I've, I have an interesting story that um, when I was sailing with my wife, um, I spent 10 days in a port um, uh, in Portugal waiting. We were supposed to, our next big trip was like 500 miles uh, down to the north coast of Africa to an island called Madeira. I call that island now Procrastination Island because I spent 10 days in that port telling my wife that I was fixing the batteries and that I was fixing the mainsail and I was doing all these other really important jobs when in reality, I didn't even realize it myself, but I was afraid to go to sea. And so I had decided that all these other jobs had to be done first and it was all made up. And one day then I realized, well, I'm 10 days in this same place and every day I know I should be going to sea. I never actually told my wife about that. I never told her I was that afraid because I was afraid she realized I was afraid we were in big trouble, you know, and, um, and she only read it in the book afterwards. But I was able to figure that out and then have a conversation with myself and say, hey, Rory, hang on a minute here. There's something else stopping you here. It's not that the batteries need to be fixed. 
there's a fear and you have to identify that fear, understand it and say, okay, now I can see the fear. Now I know what it is. Now I can go ahead and get the thing done. And, uh, and that's what I, I use that every day. Um, you know, there are things that I want to procrastinate on right now. You know, I've got jobs to do when we finish this. And I know that my brain is going to say, you know, you could do that tomorrow. But I say to myself, why would I do that tomorrow? Why, why am I saying that to myself? I'm saying that to myself because it's something that um, I'm nervous about. I, I have a fear of. It might be a call I have to make to somebody that I don't really want to make. And once I identify that, then I go, okay, that's a now a challenge for me. I'm going to make sure I handle that fear and I make that call. So does it always come down to some kind of fear or is that just one aspect of it? I think that that is often at least an aspect of it. And, and look, you know, Mark, I'm not going to proclaim in any of this, and I, and I say this really clearly in the book, that I'm not the expert on procrastination or I'm not the expert on the subconscious mind by any means, right? But I, I do find that um, fear definitely plays a big part. And, and I, I, I ran a franchising company for a period of time. And um, so most of my franchisees, their main role, main job was to go out and sell. And that scared a lot of them, just the fact of standing in front of somebody and asking for a sale. And so they found a million other things to do. Fix the website, send an email, you know, get my business cards. And, and, and they just wouldn't get to making the sale until they identified the real reason why they were doing all these other things. And then they could move forward. So I, I definitely think fear um, uh, has a, a part to play in a lot of procrastination, put it that way. And with everything, I mean, you've built and if I read it right on your website and I'm remembering correctly, you've built and sold two seven figure companies. You've run a franchise company. And yet you you said it in the book and you said it here. You learn more from sailing than how how does that happen? You would think it would be the opposite. Yeah, I guess you would. And, and I suppose without having, you know, that first business, I would have never got into sailing because that did build a certain amount of confidence for me. But where I learned most about sailing was just jumping into something that I had no idea about. Right. And at the same time, knowing that it was a really big challenge and I was risking my life um, and my wife's life as well at the same time. And, um, and I think for me, it was that, you know, everybody told me that I could not do this. And the more people told me I couldn't do it, the more I said, you know what, I really want to give this a try. Now, in the back of my mind, even though I had a lot of bravado on the outside, in the back of my mind, I was always looking at, okay, where can we stop? You know, so, so where could I pull in and, and end all this if I had to, right? And there comes a point where you're going to cross that big piece of the Atlantic and you're going to be three weeks at sea without seeing any land. Oh my gosh. And, uh, you know, you're just out there and, and that's it, you know, and, and you, you're just, you're there. And, uh, and so it's from that, it's from that, you know, what I, le I learned about myself and from learning about myself, I learned about people. I learned about what challenges is from a mindset point of view. And, um, you know, I guess it's the same if you go to climb a mountain or, 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 or something like that. If you go to climb Everest or something, I, I guess you, you learn the same kind of things about yourself and therefore you can learn things about other people as well. And, and it puts you in a, in a place to help people. Well, when you want to learn, what's your process? What or actually learning? That's a really good question. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I, I, I'm a very process-orientated person. And so if I just think back to, you know, something I wanted to learn like this, this year, um, it's very simple for me. I really, I define clearly what it is I want to learn. Um, I create a goal around that. Then I go out and I look at, okay, where are all the places I can learn this? And I'll, you know, let's say there's 10 places I can learn this. 
I'll, I'll very quickly eliminate four or five of them for you know very simple reasons. I'll focus down on uh, you know four or five, and I'll research them and I'll say, well, where's the best place for me to go to get that learning? And once I do that, I will dive in and I will stick with that, and I will work so hard to make sure that I get through that course or or experience or whatever it is to to, to learn from. And um, I'm not a big academic person. I like to learn kind of practical stuff or learn fast, if you put it that way. And, um, and that's what I do. I just make a plan and um, I find the best place to learn. And then I just go at it. And sometimes that's just a book, right? It's just identifying the right book. Uh, but I will spend a lot of time researching books before I put them on my list. You know? So I always have a list that I'm reading, but you know, I'll, always, I'll always put a, re- a lot of research into that first. How do you qualify a good place to learn? Characteristics. Um, I- yeah, so um, if I think back to, um, you know, some of the learnings I've had this year where, where I actually did some, some online coursework and online because of the environment that we're in at the moment, um, a lot of it was through recommendations of people that I had um, a lot of respect for who'd gone through this. Um, then I would have looked at, you know, other students that might have come through that. I would have looked at the, uh, the trainers and I would have had conversations with the trainers first and I would have asked them questions and told them what it is exactly that I wanted to get out of that. And did they feel that, that, um, that their training was the right thing for me? And what I, what I would do in that situation is I really want to feel like I'm not being sold because if I feel like they're trying to sell something to me, then it's probably not the place to be. So I try and have really open, honest conversations with those people about that. That could be helpful. The referrals to take away, instead of doing the research on your own, it sounds like you get, you go to the referral route. Oh, yeah, I think that's really, really important because uh, I think you need, we always need um, outside um, opinions for everything we do. I mean, like I'm a coach now. That's what I do. I'm the outside eyes for somebody. I'm a thinking partner for somebody. I think it's so, so, so important to to be open to listening to other people, even if you don't agree with them in the first place, you know, to listen to why do they think that, you know, and um, yeah, absolutely. Go for referrals. Um, you know, dive in and, and talk to the people who are actually going to be presenting to you and that kind of thing and figure out, you know, what's, what's their angle, what's their experience, and can they give you what you really need out of this? Well, in, in, in closing, if there was one, one, maybe two things that people say, look, at I, I predictive success, hopefully they, you know, have read your book or they at least listen to this and they're like, I'm busy. Mm-hmm. I can do what was, what would be the one or two things that if you're going to do anything, you got to do this. Yeah. Well, you know what? I would think that the one biggest thing that you could do actually doesn't take any time. And that is just to open yourself to the possibilities that you could achieve so much more if you were just willing to get the right mindset to do that. I mean, if you just did that, right, I think that changes the way you look at things afterwards. I think that changes um, the opportunities that you see. It definitely changes the way you see uh, blockages or impediments to achieving the goals that that you might have and so um, I've been reading a book at the moment and and um, the writer uses the term possibilist uh, rather than realist or whatever else right and and I love that word because you know if you become a possibilist you look at well what actually is possible out there and you don't look at the barriers that are in your way but you look at well what would it have to look like if I was going to achieve that and so I think for me that is the biggest thing um, that I have learned uh, myself, and the, the, I think the best thing that anybody's going to take one step, it doesn't take any time, open your mind to that. So it's shifting your mindset? It's shifting your mindset, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, excellent. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it, Rory. Mark, it was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. You are very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.